500 дней полномасштабной войны. И жодного дня слабкости. Я дякую всем украинским воинам. 500 дней снищуем оккупантов. Захищаем Украину. Дбаем про украинцев. И сегодня делаем новый крок вперед. Мы идем до победы. Идем вперед. 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 Идемо вперед! 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 Идемо вперед. Мы идем вперед. Дякую каждому и каждому. Украина. Идемо вперед. Дякуємо всем, кто воює и працює заради перемоги. Welcome back to Ukraine Sit Rep. We're going to do more of these as the war heats up and uh, continues and escalates. Uh, we saw cluster bombs are being sent to Ukraine as of the Biden administration last night. This show is brought to you by armedforces.press, which is one of our many websites under cdm.press. Please support us there. We've had a team on the ground in Ukraine since the Maidan revolution in 2014. We have an Eastern European website also, which I think is the best coverage out there for Eastern European issues. That's sarism.com, T-S-A-R-I-Z-M, a play on the Russian word for Caesar. And, and really, we cover where the Russian empire was from Poland all the way to San Francisco, that region of the world. So please Check us out at armedforces.press, cdm.press, which is the main site, and sarism.com. One other thing you can do, it costs a lot of money to support all these journalists all around the world. Check out our no-ad subscriptions. We have 12 websites as of, uh, as of right now with more coming in different parts of the world. Uh, but I know people don't like ads, so sign up for our no-ad subscription. You get access to all these sites with no ads at all, and I, people love it. So it's 10 bucks a month, but uh, it supports free media. Fox is dead, there's only a few other media outlets. So uh, please support us, and uh, we'll return the favor with really good news. With, For instance, all the stuff that's coming out on Joe Biden now, we reported in 2019 and 2020 on Ukraine and the Biden crime family's activities there. We've got an interesting show for you today. I have, again, our friend Alex from Ukraine. He's uh, a native of Kiev and, and the surrounding areas. And uh, he knows a lot about what's going on. I've been working with him for almost a decade. I'm going to bring him in, in now. Alex, thanks for coming on the show. Hello, Tom. 
So uh, he's going to remain just audio only today. Alex, we've heard a lot recently about weapons that are being sent to Ukraine. You, you said you had some recent uh, overview numbers about what's actually getting to the front lines. Can you discuss that for me? Well, uh, I have just uh, downloaded the uh, the fiscal numbers uh, from the uh, from the government of Ukraine. It's official data. It's uh, nothing secret about those numbers. Uh, I see that. Uh, um, on the end of May, so that's uh, June, June 1st, uh, end of May, June 1st, uh, the cumulative amount of financing spent by the government of Ukraine uh, since the beginning of the year is 20 billion, approximately $20 billion. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and uh, the amount of financing sent to Ukraine uh, far exceeds this number. We will have uh, to research more uh, details on the um, composition of financing sent uh, sent to Ukraine, but we already see that uh, the number of financing sent to Ukraine uh, exceeds this number spent by Ukrainian governments on the war. So last year, cumulatively, the government reported approximately $31 billion spent uh, on the war and defense in Ukraine. And uh, in the current year, year to date, they spent approximately $20 billion. So altogether taken, it's, it's approximately $50 billion. And the overall financing aid to Ukraine exceeds uh, enormous amount of money taken together. The military aid, the financial aid, and the humanitarian aid and support and, and charity support by various international organizations and, and uh, various countries uh, on the globe. So essentially what you're saying is that the, the, the monies that have been sent to Ukraine far out, out, outpace what the Ukrainian government itself has spent on the war. Is that basically what I'm saying, what I'm hearing you say? Based on the numbers, we yeah. see a discrepancy and we see a deficit and the difference between the numbers. Uh, right. That's why we'll need to research carefully. Right. Uh, what are the numbers and what are the discrepancies and what are the uh, purposes of spending and what was the real um, amount of spending and where the money actually went? We've had some estimates tell us that, uh, you know, 30 percent around that number is actually what's getting to the front lines of what's being sent into Ukraine. A lot of it's been siphoned off laundered money, et cetera, which we've talked about in depth in the past. And the, the propaganda video we just showed from Ukraine essentially is uh, telling us that everything's fine in the war and they're saying move forward all the time, but uh, it seems they continually need more resources. We, we wanted to talk today about the electricity situation and the nuclear plant in Ukraine. There's been a lot of rumor that the Russians were going to blow it up. There's, you know, been other reverse rumors that it's the Ukrainians who are targeting the station. What can you tell us about that? Where is it? What's going on, etc.? Well, the, we need to understand that Zaporizhia nuclear power station is located uh, on the Dnieper River. And uh, if uh, the station um, is, is blown up, uh, that means that the electricity uh, grid of Ukraine will, will be hurt. Well, the current status of this nuclear power station is that the reactors have been stopped. So the electricity, I mean, the station has been stopped, but the reactors have been halted to some degree that they do not produce electricity. Mm -hmm. uh, some experts say uh, in the public uh, open 
open sources and open channels in Ukraine that uh, there is no risk of uh, reactors blowing up because they have been stopped. But in reality, uh, it's not possible to stop the nuclear reactions. So the reactors have been halted to the minimum uh, minimum operating conditions. Another problem is that uh, Zaporizhia nuclear power station ca- consists of uh, uh, the reactor block, the storage block, and the uh, and the um, depleted fuel block storage. And uh, it was reported that uh, uh, all three parts of this uh, nuclear power station were mined by Russians, but we knew that uh, from the beginning of uh, previous year. And once in a while, the news come and go, and uh, the all this panic, uh, panic and situation uh, comes to comes comes and becomes very heated uh, due to propaganda, due to the news, and due to people uh, be, um, talking about this propaganda. So the risk of this power station blowing up uh, didn't disappear uh, on the night of uh, July sixth when it was forecasted to blow up. Uh, to be blown up, and um, uh, the risk of uh, the risk remains, and uh, the Russians can blow the station up uh, any given day. Uh, another problem is that um, <clears throat> uh, people talk about this, and uh, the government talks about this, uh, and the government uh, warns the population about uh, the upcoming explosions, uh, but nothing has been done to. Uh, mitigate the risk, uh, evacuate the population, or prevent uh, the risk uh, of explosions on the stations. Uh, based on the publicly available news and uh, declarations of the government uh, officials, no negotiation, negotiations with the Russians have been conducted. Um, there are several news that uh, um, Ukrainian government officials contacted some personnel on the power station, um, but uh, um, another sources tell us that some some people who were um, employed on the nuclear power station in Zaporizhia have already left the station. Uh, there were some news reported that uh, Russians uh, have taken some of the personnel uh, from the station and decreased the amount of the military um, military personnel on the station. Uh, and mined uh, three parts of the station. And uh, just yesterday, there were news reported that uh, Russians uh, installed uh, installed the uh, rifle pod, uh, spots and uh, machine gun machine gunning spots on the roof of uh, the nuclear power station. Apparently, uh, setting up uh, some defense units uh, to guard the nuclear power station from the upcoming or any any attack from from the Ukrainian armed forces on the Zaporizhia power station. So this is the current situation with uh, with the station. So the risk still uh, still is on, um, and we need to watch closely what happens next. So this would not I mean, this any radiation that would be released, which is the big fear, would, you know, the cloud would move into the Russian Federation as well. I mean, so it seems like a risk that either, neither side should take, am I correct? Unless you wanted some kind of cataclysmic event. Exactly. Well, the mm-hmm. current, uh, the current uh, range of uh, explosion uh, it forecasted is 30 kilometers from the station. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, um, 
the neighboring villages have not been evacuated. Uh, approximately 100 kilometers from the station, uh, the, um, the fallout is estimated as uh, very bad. And approximately 140 kilometers, uh, the fallout is estimated as, as bad. So that means that surrounding cities uh, in, with a population of approximately anywhere from 500,000 to several millions of people have to be evacuated. Um, that means that uh, not depending on the, on the wind direction, uh, the area of approximately 300 kilometers uh, will be hurt. And that means that uh, both area occupied by Russia uh, currently in Ukraine and on the on the right side of Dnipro River, uh, all these areas will be hurt. I mean that this will be a cat cat catastrophe even if the um, if not exactly reactors blow up, but the uh, fuel department right. blows up. I mean it will be a huge. You, catastrophe. you mean not a nuclear? Ex you mean not a nuclear <clears throat> explosion, but an explosion that releases the radiation is what you're saying. Yes. That's yes. Right. Yes. Exactly. So. Um, yeah, rumors flying on both sides who's actually threatening to do this. And maybe it's a ploy by the you know Zelensky government to get more arms out of the West, which there's a, a softening of support across Europe and the U.S., uh, at least in Congress, but maybe not in the Biden administration. So we'll see. Talk about the power situation in the rest of the country. I mean, what's the infrastructure situation? Um, you know, we're in summertime. It gets very hot there. Elderly people need air conditioning. What, what are your thoughts on the power situation in the rest of the country? Well, the power situation in Ukraine remains uh, really bad. Uh, I will give you a couple of facts. Uh, mm -hmm. Just uh, last week, it was reported that the uh, the, the so-called guaranteed buyer of the electricity, which is the government-owned company, mm -hmm. sued another government-owned company, and that is called the... Uh, main dispatcher of the electricity in Ukraine called Ukrainerga, and they sued uh, that company for three billion grivna. Uh, that's huge amount of money for for the governmental-owned company, be, uh, given the fact that Ukrainerga is a bankrupt company and is being financed by uh, by the Western parties and by the government of Ukraine and Western Western subsidies. So that means that um, uh, there are three main uh, electricity players in Ukraine, Energoatom, Ukrainerga, and uh, this guaranteed buyer of the electricity. And they all sued each other for billions of uh, grivna, billions, uh, billions of Ukrainian grivna money. Uh, that means that, that uh, the legal suits uh, are currently going on in the electricity markets. Uh, Approximately estimated 400 uh, electrical companies in renewables sued uh, the Ukrainian government and the guaranteed buyer of the electricity. That means that uh, the government of Ukraine has defaulted on the payments for any renewables, uh, renewable electricity station. Uh, that also means that uh, the, uh, all the electricity supply and operations company are in basically in default. The main uh, electricity operate, operating company and supplier of electricity uh, from the stations called DETEC uh, is also in default, defaulted on the bonds, defaulted on the local bonds and uh, foreign bonds. Uh, that also means that the private electricity generating capacity in Ukraine is in default and the government's uh, uh, electrical capacities are in default uh, on payments and the operations. 
approximately uh, based uh, on approximately on approximately dating back to uh, March of this year, it was reported by Western sources that uh, estimated 43% uh, uh, up to approximately 50% of electricity grid of Ukraine was destroyed. Uh, private sources told me that approximately 63% of electricity grid of Ukraine was destroyed and Ukraine had to import electricity from Poland and nearby countries from the Eastern Europe. Uh, currently, we see the the sources, and there was the announcement from the Ministry of en Energy of uh, Ukraine uh, that Ukraine has returned to uh, positive export uh, conditions. So that means that Ukraine exports some amount of electricity from Ukraine. Uh, however, however, we we saw the news that some regions of Ukraine continue to suffer from the blackouts, and uh, uh, just just yesterday, the pr main private uh, electricity supplier and operator, the tech, has announced that uh, in the middle of uh, the summer, uh, Kiev and nearby territories might expect uh, um, shortages of electricity and uh, population have to be warned for upcoming electricity blackouts. Uh, we estimate that uh, the uh, the winter of 2023-2024 will be even more harsh than the previous winter and the blackouts uh, will be even worse than in the winter of 2022-23. So that means uh, that uh, nobody speaks about the air conditioning in, in Ukraine. People don't like air conditioning in Ukraine. Majority of people don't use it anyways. I mean, major cities use it, but not, not all yeah, not all people. Yeah. It's not. It's not a custom to use air conditioning in Ukraine, yeah. anyways. Um, but um, <clears throat> we see from the news and we see from the um, from the declaration of the government that uh, the the investments required and the maintenance uh, expenses required to keep the electrical grids so they are not uh, um, provided, and that means that <clears throat> if the situation uh, with the electricity grid con uh, continues as uh, as we see it right now, uh, Ukraine will face enormous uh, blackouts in the upcoming winter, which will make the population suffer even more. Last winter was brutal because you had people in these high-rise buildings in in major cities with no electricity, no water. You yeah, know, for several on, days. Yeah, if you're on the twentieth floor, I mean that's not a fun existence. You yourself were. Uh, we're suffering from that um, yeah exactly when yeah. Uh, when when there was uh, when i sat in kiev uh, during the blackouts uh, there would there could be like uh, several days uh, without the electricity the electricity would be available just for a couple of hours per day mm -hmm. and it it could be anywhere in the night or in the in the day or in the morning and then for 10 hours or 12 hours uh, straight so there would be no electricity no mobile connection the toiletries would, would not work because there is no water and the generators would not supply because the generators would be dead after one hour, maybe two hours of operations. Yeah. So that means that um, a lot of Ukrainians bought uh, private, uh, um, a lot of Ukrainian houses bought uh, generators, accumulators. Uh, I spent uh, $450 myself to buy the accumulators and the 
um, electricity transformers that are required to plug in uh, the the boilers and um, the uh, electrical electrical uh, electrical equipment in the house, but it doesn't help uh, to survive uh, in in a building which is approximately uh, eight centigrade uh, during yeah. the winter. I mean, yeah. I I saw eight centigrade on my temperature meter uh, when I was in Kiev uh, in January February, uh, and it was really that cold. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. Yeah. Yeah, the family couldn't. The families uh, cannot survive this kind of temperature for too long. So, last question: We've sent a lot of aid over there, and it seems you know we're paying for the government, we're paying for the pensions, but there doesn't seem to be a lot of aid getting to the people, uh, and the people are suffering. Uh, you spent a lot of time at the front lines and uh, delivering food, and you people told you that uh, you know they hadn't seen any aid at all. So, where do you think the aid is going? I think uh, uh, the well. I don't think. Well, I see it. I saw it uh, from uh, with my own eyes. Uh, uh, the aid, uh, the aid from international donors reaches uh, major cities. Uh, it reaches uh, some major uh, distributing operators, which are connected mm -hmm. with the international donors. Uh, I have uh, seen some uh, warehouses full of uh, foods. Basically, they remain full of food, but some villages in Ukraine, um, on the south of Ukraine and on the eastern part of Ukraine, they do not get uh, the food uh, uh, at all. I mean, the villages in the gray zone, they do not obtain enough food. So when we travel to gray zones and when we, when I speak to some of our other volunteer charities, small charities that uh, travel uh, traveled with me and they traveled without me into the south of Ukraine or the east of Ukraine, they tell me the same kind of information, that uh, they do not see uh, charities or major organizations traveling to gray zones or villages near the front line. Uh, this can be, this is ex explained uh, due to the reasons that uh, the major um, logistics companies, they do not uh, pay for the insurance required to travel to gray zones. Uh, and also there's a problem that international donors do not pay for the logistics costs. So that means that the volunteer and charities simply and, and people pay for gasoline, fuel, and they try to deliver the food, meds, and clothes uh, to the uh, territories near the occupied uh, front line uh, with, based on their own um, voluntary efforts and uh, right. paying their own money and uh, they get burned out really quickly they they spend their money and they go out uh, go out of this uh, humanitarian support business because this is basically it's not a business it's uh, it's a long-term uh, stare effort to survive and uh, feed feed thousands of people uh, on the south and the east of ukraine and you were telling me that a lot of the aid is uh, sold on the black market correct yeah, just last week uh, I received the news that uh, uh, 1,000 train cars of humanitarian charity uh, were stolen in uh, Dnipropetrovsk region. And uh, I, I was shocked and uh, that means that uh, it's a huge amount of money of uh, that uh, food and humanitarian support stolen in, the, uh, in one of the largest regions of Ukraine that's... Uh, didn't get delivered to the east of Ukraine or the south of Ukraine. It's hard to believe that the Ukrainian government wouldn't, I mean, a thousand rail cars, that's, that's a big, you know, 
that, that doesn't go disappear very easily. I mean, to, to think the Ukrainian government was not aware of that or somebody was not aware of that is hard to believe. Yeah, it's hard to believe me either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't so, believe. Last question. When, uh, you know, we were uh, during the invasion, you and I were together and we, we you got me across the Moldovan border on foot. But what did you think this war would still be going on uh, two years later? Uh, I did not. Uh, I didn't believe uh, the war could start. Uh, I mean, I had my forecast. I, I asked uh, all my um, contacts uh, in the Ukrainian government and big uh, Ukrainian companies, including security professionals. I asked them and uh, a lot of people simply laughed at uh, my questions, uh, asking them, uh, should we evacuate uh, prior to any strikes? And everybody laughed. Including, yeah. gen, including some security professionals, including some uh, big uh, businessmen, millionaires, uh, and including some people who had uh, some contacts uh, with the army. I mean, people simply laughed at this idea. Yeah. And um, uh, personally, I thought that uh, it could be some ultimatum uh, from Russia to do something and to do some territorial, some, some different things uh, uh, just to to cool off the situation and um, but uh, um after approximately six months into the war uh, i understood that uh, the war might drag for several years and uh, the the forecast uh, just uh, nine months ago the forecast of the war was approximately year and a half uh, and uh, just approximately six months, uh, the forecast of the war is uh, is approximately two three years. Yeah. So that means that if you're in, if you're in February of 2023, you have to add two uh, two additional years of this war. So that means that the population will suffer even more. So that mean, means uh, we will see two more winters of blackouts, electricity electricity shortages, and we will see one, uh, several more waves of emigration out of Ukraine. And that means that um, <clears throat> people who speak about the any forecasts uh, and people who uh, say that uh, the, the victory is uh, very close, they do not understand the, the forecasting based on the numbers, based on the patterns, based on the uh, backups, based on the various uh, parts of the economic, social, military, um, and humanitarian conditions of uh, the country. Yeah. Thank you very much, Alex. I appreciate your time. And uh, we'll have you back again soon because uh, people really want some good insight into what's going on in Ukraine. So please support cdm.press, armedforces.press, with uh, our no-ad subscriptions and uh, support free media. And we'll see you next time on Ukraine SITREP. Thank you.